Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm, you say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Well, you heard the intro right there. Script Shop is oh. the name of the show. <laughs> Are you going to keep it in there when we do it like this? What do you mean? The, the, the that's the way the show starts oh, with the with the, I was with thinking the theme about, song. Okay, never mind. Dun, dun, dun. Hi, everybody. My name is Jack, and I've got a weird confession to make. I've got <gasps> a pimple on my forearm. Oh, gross. And I, yeah, I know. A, I know. B, on my arm. I'm 38, and on I've got arm? a weird bright red blemish on my arm and like it's all i can do to not look at it i, I i'm noticing Roll your it shirt all sleeve the time. down no i'm not i, I don't like put a having, band-aid on it put a bird on it, it <laughs> also i don't like it i now you have to post a picture of it for all of the listeners no, 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 because no. you have to yeah, no i don't it's that's a gross. show thing well it's just as gross to have you just tell them about it yeah but words are different than visuals if you say it with, that's true. What if you put like your sexy voice on and talk There's about no it? There's no such thing as that when say you're talking it, say, about a pimple. Okay, I can't look at you if you're going to do a sexy voice. I, do, I, can't, I don't do want to. That's, I'm not doing it. And then, <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is Welcome our, to Script Shop. This is our script podcast where we uh, talk to screenwriters about their scripts and why it means something to them and what it means to them. I'm Allison. Yes. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, We love diving into the worlds that screenwriters create, things that come out of their beautiful, unique minds. And if you are a screenwriter or no one that wants to get your script on the show, you can go to our website at scriptshopshow.com slash submit and submit your script in for us to review. As an FYI, we are a bit backed up on screenplays still. Yes. We're working through them, um, but it's taken us a little bit of time. So if you're a listener to the show and you hashtag your screenplay, hot burrito, or send it in the subject line mm-hmm. in any form, yes. we would be happy to put you into the hot burrito pile of things being read, which gets read before everything else. Because nobody wants read. a cold burrito, so we got to eat the hot ones first. That's Oh, I love that. Yeah, right? But they can't be too hot, because then they just burn your tongue with the melted cheese and beans. Which is exactly why this phrase started as a thing for us, <laughs> the conundrum of, can is it could God microwave a burrito so hot that even he couldn't eat it? What That's do you how think? this whole thing started. <laughs> do you think he could or he couldn't? I mean, listen, he's God, he right? He's got to be able like, to eat it. Yeah, he's he is all powerful. But he can make it so hot that no one can. This is the this but is the whole point. Would he want to? That's the thing. Is yeah, well, yeah. Why how much would he want to? You know what? That's a good. Nobody's gotten into the whether God would want, want to, to eat, eat such that. a hot burrito. Or not. He would do it just despite us. But if he was just doing it despite us, God then it does. That's the thing. It's like why would he do that? Yeah, he wouldn't. Is the I think the bottom oh, line God. is that he wouldn't. <laughs> oh God! You devil. <laughs> So uh, we are available also on a variety of social media platforms. We are on Twitter. We are on scriptshopshow.com, as Allison said. Website. I was blanking on other forms of media just then, and that's called vamping. We're also on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. And if you look up Script Shop Show on any of those platforms, that's where you can find us. You can talk to us. You can follow us. 
You can participate mm-hmm. in any conversations about screenplays, and you can watch all of our funny videos we post out. Yeah, we do little videos to promote the shows each week and mm-hmm. uh, tweet out various uh, callbacks to other. We follow all of our previous guests, and if they have uh, little bits of success, we like to retweet that and let people know where they can hear a previous show that may have uh, been aired involving them. Speaking of yes. uh, shout-outs to somebody, uh, we would really like to thank Hayden Davidson, who wrote a screenplay called Call of the Void that we were lucky enough to have on the show mm-hmm. Gosh, I don't know how long ago that was because we're into like our eighty. It was like a year ago. Fifth show, yeah. Heighten has been a Patreon subscriber of ours for some time, um, sending us a few bucks a month. And Heighten, we really appreciate your support. Thank you for sending that our way. Yes, thank you. I can't even imagine how I formed the words to say thank you to that. And we have another individual that's a new uh, subscriber to us, a new Patreon, a new patron, and that is uh, it's a Twitter account called at Simply Scripts. And the handle on it is Booze's Dad. And uh, he and she joining up with Cheryl Allen uh, to support the show financially, which is amazing. Like, I I need to get a thesaurus and just look up words for things like incredible and amazing and fantastic and try to say things that are better than just those words. Yes. Thank Thank you. you. Keeping it really simple there. Thank Thank you. you. We really appreciate all that you do to support us in our work here. Yes. That being said, today's screenplay Mm. is called Power Play. Cyclones on the power play. That's what they say at Cincinnati Cyclones hockey games here in town. Oh, do they really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But power play is not a sports script. Uh, It is a... It is a 17-page hidden family crime hostage short. Lots of things going on in this one. And a very nice uh, packaged little 17-page story here. Yeah, it covers a lot of ground. Yeah, we've got uh, Nick Tassoni. Here with mm. us today. <laughs> so scrumptious. <laughs> it's like macaroni. Nick Tassoni, like macaroni. I did have macaroni and cheese for dinner. Oh, well, now you've got Nick Tassoni for an evening snack. <laughs> an evening conversational <laughs> oh, snack. Oh, Jack. Uh, Nick sent us a script and we're anxious to talk to him about it. And did we get. Let's do it. We don't have Frank to check in with to see if we said no, everything we're I, supposed to. I made a checklist and scratched things off, so we're good. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, then let's put Nick on because he's been waiting. He's been waiting long enough. Uh, Nick, you're, you said what, just south of Boston? That's right. Yeah. A little town called New Bedford used to be the biggest uh, fishing port in Mm. the country. Nice. Well, welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you for coming on. No, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited. Are you from uh, like a water-based town originally? Um, Yeah, this is so I moved around a little bit. So I grew up around here and then uh, parents split. I went out to uh, Amherst, Mass for a little bit and then I came back here. Is After Amherst, college. Is Amherst Mass also in Massachusetts? Yes, Western Mass. Okay, sweet. In college, where did you go for that? I went to Lafayette College in Pennsylvania, a small liberal arts college uh, right on the border of uh, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. What would you, uh, you, what'd you study out there? So I did film and media studies, um, and it was like the first or second year of their program, actually. So I'm lucky that I kind of caught that train. Because a year earlier, I wouldn't have been able to do it. What have I done, like psych or something? Mm-hmm. Well, and plus getting in on the ground floor of a program Marketing. like that means that, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you, can, then, you can get in on it early and there, there's not as much maybe competition and maybe you have a little mm-hmm. more say in what the curriculum is, right? I think so, yeah. We actually took some surveys about that stuff, um, had some questions for like when we hire new film professors and then they built a new building for us basically. We had a brand new building, <gasps> cool. uh, which was amazing. Oh, man, that's so cool. Oh, yeah, it was great. Um, um, how, like, how did your professors kind of take to having to build the curriculum while going through it with you? So it was interesting at first. So 
our freshman year, you know, you have your basic film 101, which the building wasn't even completed yet. So we were in the basement of a dorm on like a projector, just watching like Children of Men and Citizen Kane. I'm sure your parents loved all the college (laughs) tuition dollars going towards that. Oh, oh, they were, oh, they were thrilled when they heard I was going film. Uh. (laughs) Nicholas, how's that basement movie viewing going? Is it, do you feel like you're really getting somewhere? Mom, I'm living my dream. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Go to the basement. Yeah. Um, So they like, after class, sometimes they would have surveys like, what are some classes that you would be interested in taking here? What are some things that you would like to learn about? And I remember I wrote down, it didn't become anything, but it was like the blockbuster course, like learn how a blockbuster is put together with everything from like CGI to budget to like hiring just the right, you know, um, music and like the A-list actors and the release date i thought learning about that would be really cool yeah that does sound like it would be a really neat class it would be nice but um the things that they started to add were like filmmakers so we had a class on i took a class on scorsese which was a blast um they have that for what else was it um i had a philosophy of film course on kubrick which was amazing as well Mm -hmm. i can't imagine you only cram that into just one semester right you could do a whole semester on just 2001 Oh my God! I know that's my um my final project in that course was how Kubrick influenced cartoons. Mm. <laughs> cool. So if you have like um the Simpsons, they do like their Treehouse of Horror stuff has some Kubrick stuff in there, and mm-hmm. Family Guy has some Full Metal Jacket stuff. Yeah, just a bunch of it. It was what a, I'm right in that demographic of Family Guy, so that was fun for me <laughs> no but that's interesting that like you can do a, that you were did a final project on yeah the, the influence of kubrick on mainstream animation like decades exactly. later that's extremely cool exactly and i had a blast i still have the powerpoint on my computer yeah, you do. <laughs> do you show it at parties when people come over you say hey guys i'm really proud of this college presentation i wasn't I did. the biggest uh party guy <laughs> but that's probably there was, why your I, work was so good no there, there was one party I went to, which was fun, where I it was like movie themed and they commissioned, not commissioned me, but they got me to put together like all the biggest fight scenes from movies oh, and sweet. like we had it on a projector on a wall. So that was fun. Yeah, cool. that sounds really fun. You talked about yeah. how the idea that you wanted them to have like a class on like, you know, putting together like a big blockbuster and you made me think there was mm-hmm. there was something I just saw on Twitter just recently where the person was sort of lamenting the fact that we, you know, the general movie going public now is fairly aware of like box office weekends and like knowing how mm-hmm. much money a given movie makes but there's not a whole lot of knowledge of how movies get funded and like the motivation behind you know the reason why things are like sequels and remakes now is because mm-hmm. that's a way to try to encourage people to invest in your picture because now you can base it on something that's already had returns and i thought that was just an interesting exactly. observation and now they're doing it before they even get the returns because they're so certain they're going to succeed right Mm. Like right. I remember Gardens of the Galaxy 2 was already planned out before Guardians 1 had been released. Like yeah. what if it bombed? You never know. Well, sure. And, and if you're talking about what Marvel Studios has done specifically, I mean you're talking uh-huh. about two dozen movies over a decade that all sort of hinge on the success of the previous one. And ten, exactly. ten straight years of hits is kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. And I, I must admit I'm a little superheroed out. That's just me. Mm-hmm. And th- they do a good job with their movies, but I'm – I'm ready for the next phase of stuff, I mm-hmm. guess. Okay, well, you're yeah. in the right vein then because I think we're moving along. <laughs> yeah. Just right. You know, in yeah. school, did you guys do any hands-on work with filmmaking or was it a lot of just like thinking about it and kind of approaching it as a historical look at it? 
Mm-hmm. So we did have there were two veins of courses. There was um, the philosophy of film and there was production. So we definitely got a lot of production courses in, which was a blast. I got to make some, uh, some shorts, some very, very, very bad shorts, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And we had a capstone at the end of our four years where I did like a sort of half animated uh, parody of superhero movies, actually, because I was getting a little sick of them at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And just as a whole, it was just a blast. And I'm glad that I got to kind of hone what I was interested in there. Cause at that point in time, actually writing was like for sure my, my weakest point. Mm. Like I was good. I was good behind the camera and good behind, uh, you know, my editing rig, but my stories kind of (laughs) sucked. When did that start to change for you? I started getting just more serious about writing after college. Um, so I took a college, I took a job in New York City. It was in uh, advertising. It was kind of boring, and the company was like <clears throat> uh, kind of evil. Mm. Um, and I found myself <laughs> just writing on my lunch breaks. <laughs> and so I figured, like, I want to do this. So I just got into it more and more and more. I told myself three pages after work every day, and then. Um, that just eventually evolved into applying to uh, grad schools for writing. And then just like three weeks ago, I actually just got into the MFA program at a uh, USC, which oh, I'm super pumped awesome. about. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's so Thank good. You. That's very cool. I, I am so excited. <laughs> I literally like stopped what I was doing at work and like sat down and cried. Oh, <laughs> man. That's super cool, dude. Oh, I, I want to talk to you about when you talked about wanting to get serious about writing and you talked about, mm-hmm. you know, okay, setting goals for yourself of pages a day. And I understand the idea of maybe wanting to exercise the writing process more, but as far as that, that like the quantity of it, but as far as right. the quality goes, were you like maybe making more of an effort to tap into like maybe being more honest about with, with yourself on things or like, you know, mm-hmm. influences of people in your life helping create characters as far as content goes? Oh my God, like 100%. It's all, whether I know it or not, the best stuff that I write comes from life. And a lot of it is some subconscious. Like I was talking to somebody recently and I was explaining my script to them. And I went like, oh my God, this is my relationship with blank. Oh wow. And they're like, yeah, how'd you not notice that when you were writing? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that's wild realizing it after the fact. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And definitely kind of realizing that has honed my newer stuff to become a lot more vulnerable, I want to say. But also, as far as like quality goes, I think, I'm sure you guys are aware of it, just listening to script notes has been such a huge boost for me in just learning about the industry and just craft. Mm -hmm. You know... Oh, I was just Sorry, wondering when when you recognize that a lot of your work is so true to who you are, does that ever mm-hmm. scare you that you're going to reveal something super personal? Yes. Yeah. yeah. How do you Very deal with that? So. I don't name anybody the same name that they are in real life. <laughs> okay, that helps. But, but, but um, like as far as you sure. personally, <laughs> I'm sorry. As far as you personally goes, you know, revealing <sighs> something about yourself. You know, I've never been too too worried about putting myself out there so if anybody if anybody's not okay with a character that i have on the page and that character happens to like really reflect me mm-hmm. i don't i don't take it as like a personal attack mm-hmm. you know it, yeah. it it does stem more from the writing and they're in a different situation than right. i am obviously i've never 
personally been abducted, but mm. things have felt that way. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's just sort of where stories stem. And mm. I'm rambling a little bit. No, it's okay. You, you, you know, you talked about getting into the MFA program too, and that when you uh, got that announcement, it, it made you cry. Like, why, why did. is this so meaningful for you right now? Because, like I said, after I graduate from college, I realized like, this is what I want to do. This is my passion. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing, honestly, was that it validated a little boy, a little bit that like, Hey, you have some merit in pursuing this passion. Yeah. Like beforehand, you know, I had, I had had some friends tell me like, Hey, this is, this is good. Like I tweak this, I do this. And of course, my mom's like, Nick, this is wonderful. Like, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so glad never... you got out of the basement, Nicholas. This is good. Oh, no. Guess where I'm doing this podcast from right now. Oh, no. <laughs> is that why your sound is so good? Because it's underground. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm saving up. I'm not paying rent so I can make a little bit of a dent in my debt. Well, yeah. coming my way. Yes. Shout, out, shout out to Mrs. Tassoni then. <laughs> That's right. Um. I'm sorry. Uh, what was the question? Uh, uh, it was just I was just asking about this new uh, phase in your life and how you know getting accepted has kind of cemented your place here, right? And that's it, that's what I was saying. It was just like some validation, like to actually have somebody who didn't really like know me and didn't need to tell me like, oh, it's going to hurt his feelings if I don't tell him that he did something nice on page seven or something. Like having someone who's in the industry be like, yeah, he's got merit, like. Mm-hmm. Give him a shot almost, I think. Yeah, it sounds like you've put so much time and effort into this then. You know, like you've redeveloped your life around it. I I really did. And it it, for a little while now, it's just been work and then writing, work, writing. And then the the application for USC is no joke, too. It was it's hefty. What did they ask for? Um, They asked for several samples, um, a couple of prompts, a bunch of essays Thankfully, I did not have to take the GRE. Mm. I know I, I would not have done well with the GRE. I was never a math guy. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you guys it, a, a quick story about having to take a standardized test as a grown-up? Yeah, please. Okay, <laughs> so of, when I was a student, I was a very good student. I always studied. My parents always would test us ahead of time, and my dad wouldn't let us go to bed until we got 100% okay. on our home tests, and then we'd go into school, and of course, I would just like take two minutes to take the test and give it back. As a grown-up, though... N- <laughs> Yeah, right. So I had to take this big standardized test for medical research probably four or five years ago, and I blew off studying for it for so long. Uh And finally, when I had to take it, I knew enough that I could think my way through the test, but I knew I was not doing well. And when the test comes back, they tell you what you needed to score to pass, and then they tell you your score. And it, it, I don't know, let's say it was like you had to get an 80 six and there's like hundreds of questions and prompts and stuff on this too and they're like you scored a 86 right right on the money right on the money and uh, i i passed Mm -hmm. and the fun thing about it is that the results that got sent to my employer who was requiring that i take this were just pass or fail they didn't tell me yeah (laughs) so i was like i knew it (laughs) that was such an interesting challenge for me to have but i was sweating it yeah for weeks for weeks 
Well, you can tell them that, hey, it was a breeze. Yeah. <laughs> Tess Schmess, we got this. Give me another one. <laughs> Nick, where does this script power play for you? In, you, you? You made a reference to abduction, and I feel like we should yes. maybe let the audience know that there's Let's a... Let's get into it. There's a kidnapping Absolutely. element in this script, but as far as in, in general, this is a, it's a bit of a revenge story. Uh, you've uh-huh. got a situation where the villain is sort of a, a, a kind of like the hero at the same time. Yep. How does this fit into the pantheon of things that you have written, things that you submit? Admitted to USC, where does this fit into the to the writings of Nick Tassoni? So this is an earlier, a much earlier thing that I wrote. Actually, this is one of those things I was like kind of cranking out on my lunch breaks when I was mm. at the advertising agency. Um, and it's actually interesting looking back on it too, because I definitely think I've you know my style has just changed up too, mm. which is it's interesting to see. Um, this I didn't even submit this to USC. Actually, I submitted a, a couple different samples. Um, but this kind of stemmed from when I would go to work uh, at a different place. I would go by this big power plant going over this bridge. It's in uh, Fall River if you want to – I don't know if like Google Maps it. The power plant's still there, but they mm. just demolished like these two huge cooling towers that made it look like a nuclear plant basically. Okay. And I, and I always wondered like what would it be like to just live in the shadow of that thing? And I – you know, I kind of Googled the plant. I learned more about it. It is a coal plant. And I wrote this actually to be able to make myself if I ever wanted to, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's fairly low budget, fairly contained. Mm-hmm. And I just started writing away at it. And I knew it needed a little bit of a, like a hook to it. So I had the electro larynx be a part of it. Um, and you know, a lot of it just – when I first wrote it, the main thing I was focusing on was the environment. You know, I do consider myself an environmentalist. I wish I could do more right now, but I don't do a whole lot, which I'm kind of sad to say. But, you know, there's always windmills in the background when it's like kind of a, a more pleasant-looking scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also realized it kind of developed into a bit of a, like, healthcare mm-hmm. um message too right which, so which wasn't the which wasn't the primary like thing i was going for when i started writing well it makes sense though listeners if you don't know if you haven't read this script you should um you know you talk about what the, the big question what would it be like to live in the shadow of this this plant and mm-hmm. what we have at the end of it is a woman who's not doing very well because she's worked at the plant for many years and her granddaughter kind of taking vengeance for for the health problems that she's having because of it um, in terms of like how easy it would be, we have three locations, five characters, and three main characters. So it is very, very feasible. Yeah, I, I even made a note in my little page that I take notes on that in terms of production, like the biggest challenge would be having some sort of big facility power plant look in place just for a couple long shots, if nothing else. Exactly. Exactly. And I, this is exactly what I wrote it like in my mind is just boom, this power plant in Fall River. And it's not as cool looking now because they d- just demoed these big cooling towers, but mm-hmm. it would still get the job done. A lot of creepy pipes and steam going up in the air and mm-hmm. stuff. Cool. So is Fall Rivers <laughs> by your house growing up? Um, it's always been about a 15-minute drive. Close by. So, yeah, if you're ever heading like to Boston or so, you, you kind of go through Fall River. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So it was and something big, you saw all the big, time. big, beautiful bridge uh, with this battleship underneath it. It's just kind of a neat sight. Oh, cool. So we have two siblings in this film mm-hmm. whose father just passed away. Uh, one of them gets kidnapped, and the other one is kind of a, a jackass, like 
Well, yeah. I'm assuming he's a jackass, but he seems like it, I mean, he doesn't he? say a lot, but he doesn't come off all that great. Right. He, yeah. he just, like, randomly pulls a gun out of his office and heads out the door. And mm. yeah. I don't keep a gun in my office. Yeah. Well, I mean, different strokes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't either. But, but so the idea is, so yeah, there's this mysterious character who's, who's kidnapped the daughter of this guy that's just passed away. And the son is sort of taking over this power plant business. And this kidnapper, Ash, is demanding ransom because of this nefarious thing where people got sick because they were living uh, near this power plant. And uh, mm-hmm. that kind of takes us up into where we would uh, have our reading set for this evening, folks. If you're listening along with us, we're going to read a selection uh, starting on page six uh, involving the kidnapping situation where the kidnapper, Ash, is calling Jimmy, the brother of the kidnappee, uh, to make the first ransom demand. Uh, listeners, today we have me playing Ash. Uh, Jack is going to be playing Jimmy, the asshole. Uh, <laughs> Jack, do you ever get mad about the phrase jackass because your name is Jack? No, there's not that I can do. <laughs> Did you think about I that made, when you were a kid? Or I've anything? made my peace with that a long time ago. <laughs> Although I do have a thing in my head now where like if people use like Jack as a verb, like if somebody talks about how, yeah, my hair was all jacked up, like I always, and I always go out of my way to say, like I interpret the use of Jack as a verb. As you doing something? Meaning, no, you just made it better. Like if somebody's hair was all jacked up, that means it's better somehow. It's, I like the idea oh. of someone said my hair's jacked up and you're just like in your head imagining you walk over there and just go that's what I thought you're there with like a can of moose yeah (laughs) and I've just made it better (laughs) oh gosh so Jack's gonna play Jimmy and uh, Nick actually is gonna be doing all of our stage directions because we are Frank less tonight yeah we have no Frank Frank's busy too busy for us (laughs) I know right anyway thank you Nick for uh, stepping in and helping us out um, no problem, all right. And listeners, just as an FYI, Ash is using an electro larynx. So. To mask her voice. Mask her voice. Because it's actually just moments before this call takes place that we even find out that Ash is a woman in the first place. Right. She, dun, dun, dun. she takes her gloves off. Painted. All right, hands. so uh, take it away. Yes, whenever you're it. ready. All right, interior, posh home office, night. Jimmy answers his phone. Hey, L, are you on your way? Jimmy Lawrence. I have your sister. Jimmy's phone pings. He sees a picture of Ellie. Sorry for your loss. However, it's not all that bad, is it? What's the inheritance? Hold on. Jimmy hears nervous, (laughs) muffled coughing through the phone, followed by a gasp. (laughs) You should get about two and a half million each, yes? Yeah, nice Photoshop. I'm hanging up and calling the police now. Perking up, Trevor comes to his side. Do it. She'll die. All right, well, try to stop me. I, uh, have people watching you. 34 Wildflower Avenue, right? Jimmy freezes at the mention of his address. This could be real. He slinks to the window and pulls the blinds. A young girl walking her dog notices Jimmy watching her. She waves politely. Or menacingly. Jimmy whips the blinds closed. You know what you and your dad did. That's not your money. Interior, concrete hallway, night. Ash looks deathly anxious. Her electronic voice doesn't give it away. You snuck it away while your people got sick. Call the police to help find Dirty Bunny. Interior posh home office, night. Jimmy grows more upset with every word. He snaps his fingers at Trevor and signals for him to look out at the girl. Well, sounds like a phone scam to me. Bang. Jimmy jumps as an overblown gunshot rings through the phone. I want three of the five million. Don't let greed kill your sister. It's just money. I'll call you tomorrow at the location. Uh, b- Bye. 
End, End scene. scene. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. I really, really yeah. like that part when he checks through the window and there's the there's, girl walking her the dog. dog. <laughs> and I can I can picture this playing out. This little girl's just walking. Oh, there's somebody in the window. I'm going to wave at him. And like from his point of view, though, that could be the most sinister thing in the world. Exactly. That's now, so funny. Is she... Do you think she's actually with her or not? Who, nobody knows. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, it sounds pretty innocent to me, and this guy's just sweat. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just wigging out at this point. Yeah, for sure. I love that the Ash character is is visibly anxious about what she's doing here. You know, she yes. she's kind of thrown herself into the middle of this and, and is is working it out as she's going through it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she took a leap and this is really her last resort honestly and i wrote her like i usually find one character in a script like most resembles me and i think ash is definitely closest to me because this is what i would be doing if i was this freaked out like i'd be like coughing and like choking on my own like you know air as i'm calling the guy who's who i'm trying to get ransom from and i'd still be like nice about it (laughs) Yeah. Uh, sorry for your loss. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I exactly. love that part. Well, and even even in the beginning at the initial kidnapping, when Ash comes rolling up and is chasing Ellie, Ellie's like sort of running through this field, and Ash gets back into the car and is chasing her down through the field and kicks open the door to sort of knock her down. But like when she's getting her to get into the trunk, there's pillows in there. <laughs> yeah, there's crackers. a box of crackers. She's being a very considerate a, a lantern, kidnapper. I yeah. think. Yeah, why why not? I mean, just trying to make a positive impact in somebody's day somehow. <laughs> and she's she's <laughs> not trying to hurt her either. You know, we not find exactly. out later that the gun's got pellets in it. Right. That mm-hmm. there's firecrackers being used for gun explosions mm-hmm. or gunshots, I guess is the actual word for when you shoot a gun. <laughs> That's yes. <laughs> I knew what you were saying. <laughs> You also, Nick, there's also a really nice character moment, too, when, when, when Ash loads Ellie into the trunk and, like, she shuts the trunk down. And this is before we know anything about the kidnapper. They're just a person wearing, like, masks and goggles and gloves, and we don't even know – we don't know anything about this kidnapper. And after the trunk closes, Ash sort of takes a second and takes a breath and, like, does this, like, thing where they she shakes her hands, like, to get the, the – like, the, the nerves to calm down yeah. and get the nerves out. And I thought that was just such a cool, quick – little character moment to really let you into this this character's head yeah it's just a little something you know because screenwriting is such a a visual medium it's just a little something to let you know like hey they are like anxious there's something not they're not a pro yeah (laughs) this is their first rodeo yeah right so we've talked about the fact that you know the idea is born from the plant itself and it becomes Uh this environmental thing about how people can be affected by um, misuse of environmental factors. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, how did you kind of come up with the Ash and grandmother story here? And what's your backstory for them and why she's doing this now? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I figured, I always figured that she was doing it now because her grandmother's health was just slowly deteriorating over time. And this was really her last resort to get her grandmother who she cares so much about the help that she needs mm-hmm. and like i had figured that she had tried other things at other points i think i mentioned at one point that she um is an electrical engineer or she might mention that to somebody and i just imagined that she had gone like failed jobs failed job like searches and like honestly she had just been driven to this mm-hmm. and now i had chosen her grandmother um you know, I don't think there was a particular reason why it was a grandmother and not, say, a father or a mother. Um, What's your relationship just, with your grandparents like? 
Uh, my grandparents have all been wonderful influences on my life. Uh, my grandparents on my father's side both passed, sadly, but um, my grandparents on my mother's side are still going really strong, and they're honestly like more upbeat and running around doing more stuff than I'm doing. I'm <laughs> just hanging out in my basement, <laughs> typing away in there, talking to some weirdos <laughs> yeah. on, a, on the internet. On the <laughs> right? on the internet, yeah. us. Um, what was going on with your grandparents when you wrote this? I'm just wondering if like there was something going on with one of them that kind of showed up here, you know, like. Uh, and you know what? I think you just did a thing where I didn't realize it until now, but my grandmother had just become bedridden on my uh, father's side as I was writing this, and she passed a few mm, months later. Good grief! So yeah, no, so yeah, so I have. A hunch you might have actually just kind of delved into something I didn't realize. Mm. Well, how about that? Thank you for <laughs> you should sharing. Be a therapist. Yeah, geez, man. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, no, no. That's okay. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, you know, harsh the mellow of your podcast. No, <laughs> actually, we do this all the time. I really yeah. like trying to figure out what was going on with somebody when they wrote this because it's just even more special that now what we have is a screenplay that in some ways is a little bit of an homage to your grandmother. Yeah, really. And I hadn't even thought of that. So thank, I want to thank you guys for that. <laughs> is, Nick, is, is there a reason why at the end when, so, so there, there's a confrontation between Ash and Jimmy and she mm-hmm. ends up making off with the money. I don't know if it's the whole yes. amount, but she ends up coming away with 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 a certain with, amount with of money. With a bag of something. Yeah. I was like, uh-huh. is the money real? Right. Is it? Right. He, did, is, he, is he just walking around with three million dollars in cash? Right. <laughs> in a duffel bag? Is it all in ones? How does it fit? Yeah. Why didn't he go with a bag of? <laughs> why, why didn't he do like a Big Lebowski bag of undies sort of thing? That would have been. A, uh, but should I? And you know what? If I had written that now, I think there definitely would have been one final little like some sort of twist in there. Yeah. But. What I was ramping up to, I'm curious with the end where we see Grandma get her electrolarynx back because Ash sort of borrowed it to do this thing with, and she's given uh-huh. Grandma the money, but she's not actually there giving it. Grandma just sort of has a box that has money and the stuff in it, and I was wondering if there was a specific reason like why you didn't write a moment of Ash there with her grandmother or Ash being like physically present at all. That's a good point, and I think it kind of harkens back to some of my favorite movies. They end in a way like – I'm thinking of Silence of the Lambs right now where Lecter calls Clarice, mm-hmm. and he kind of says like goodbye to her over the phone, and it's not as personal as it could have been if he was in the room with her. Yeah, But it's still – for some reason, him like being far, far away and almost getting away with it was like – I loved that in that ending. Okay. And I almost I don't want to say like I tried to mirror it, but I I like to think that Ash is like on the other side of the world in a cabin or something mm-hmm. just hanging out. Just trying to avoid being persecuted by Jimmy and like, his family. Exactly. Okay, I get that. Yeah, I mean, she may have had to go that's, on the lamb just reasonable. to be on the safe side, sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and that brings up something else that I really thought about this screenplay, which is that there's so much room for more story. Yeah. Like the, you know, within the pages that you've given us, you've given us a really nice, fast-paced, uh, dynamic story. But it makes me think that there could be more of this story here because the way the characters behave just open up for so many other questions. Things like, you know, was the money even real at the end of the day? That's never actually answered, and we can't assume it was, but... It feels like a pretty happy ending. Yeah. There could be be tons more in there, too. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting that you thought about that. I'm 
looking for like another featured array. It could be. You think there's enough in here to maybe expand to a feature? I definitely do. There, oh, I mean, that's cool. There's the whole sibling dynamic. Yeah. There's anything going on with Ash and her personal life and her personal journey through here. There's the whole relationship of the town to the plant and any uh-huh. ancillary characters that come out of that. That's already an A, B, and C plot line. Yeah, and then whatever yeah. cops have to respond to this kidnapping yep. that still was a thing that took place. That's right. You know, I, I didn't want to write in cops. I, there's like one line in there that says like no cops. And that's just because like I can't get cops. I can't get a cop car. <laughs> you hate cops. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot more equipment no, and like, costumes and everything. $500 in my iPhone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you could maybe invest, look into renting like a hot cops kind of situation. It <laughs> might be easier than trying to procure actual police equipment. <laughs> uh, but but you know along those lines, when you're talking about this story of where you've got a like a Robin Hood type character where they're doing they're doing the wrong thing for the right reason, was it was it difficult on a pro and con sort of way of writing a character like that where where the bad guy is the good guy? No, I never I never had any like thought about making them just pure good or pure bad because that's always personally been a little um i don't want to say boring to me but it's i enjoy more nuance Mm -hmm. um so i wanted them to be able to be a bad person but also be a good person and there's also this aspect of like whether or not ellie knew how much her father's coal plan was actually damaging the town and the people and i like those things don't have to be answered for me all the time I think just the question being posed there is enough for that. Mm-hmm. Now, I think if anybody, the bad guy is Jimmy. Sure. Oh, 100%. Is, right. And Ash is a catalyst and Ellie is just starting to put pieces together, which could be explored in the feature, what she decides to do with mm-hmm. all this information yeah. that she's showing up with now. Those papers and stuff that yeah. she gives to her. Yeah, but I mean, ultimately, this, this main character of Ash for sure kidnaps an innocent person. And holds them for ransom, whether or not the money is does, does, is it's blood money or not. Ash is still mm-hmm. very much committing a crime. Yeah, that oh, doesn't yeah, necessarily make her a bad bad I, guy. Though. I get it, but I mean, right. in, in, if you're talking about in the eyes of the law, if the cops yeah. were to show up or whatever, <laughs> Ash for sure gets arrested, and Jimmy and Ellie get to have a nice reunited moment. I mean, there's there's a way to tell this story you get where to have a Cersei and Jamie Lannister moment. Yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Ew. But, but I mean, there's a there's a version of this story where 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 Jimmy and Ellie get to have like. A reunion, oh my gosh, I was so worried about you. Who was this monster that kidnapped you? How dare they ruin our family like this in our in our time of mourning? That's we just true. lost our dad. That's true. There's a whole other version of that story where that's they the story. Get spun, they get spun in the good light. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, they, they actually go out for ice cream after the that's kidnapping. That's right. They do. <laughs> that's funny, too. That's really funny that that, that that actually happens after she says, here's $10. Go get some ice I mean, cream. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, as far as comforting goes, that would probably be one of my first things. Like, I haven't eaten in a couple of days, and I'm scared. Give me ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Tony Stark wanted a cheeseburger when he got back from the cave. That's, <laughs> uh, breaking our hearts. <laughs> so between the siblings, uh, Jimmy and Elle, where does that relationship come out of? You know, it's probably got to come from me and my sister, I want to say. And I think as far as that goes, I'm probably Jimmy in that situation. Mm. I don't I've never considered myself like as big a jerk as he's made out to be. Mm -hmm. And I think I probably have to revisit him a little bit and maybe have him save a cat or something because he does just kind of come outright as a a prick, right? Well, he cares for his sister. (laughs) You know, he definitely cares for her. That's part, you know, you see that and that's why he's Mm -hmm. doing all of this. But you see that he cares for her, but at the same time, he's kind of in on mm-hmm. this, the sinister family underbelly. 
Right. Yeah, for sure. He was definitely more in on it as far as this goes. Yeah, more than um, she, more than her, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And my sister and I have always had a great relationship. And I think, you know, as as most kids do, we had like a little bit of like older sibling, younger sibling rivalry at times, but nothing too big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, really, Jimmy is coming to rescue his sister. He didn't call mm-hmm. the cops. He's bringing the money, just like the kidnapper said. He he's got a gun on him. But I mean, geez, if you're going to go meet some rando at a power plant somewhere where they say they're holding your sister hostage, yeah, you'd probably want to be there strapped. to get the sister back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Jimmy's doing and then the first right thing she says too is like, "You stole from the workers." He's mm-hmm. like, "Hello, Ellie. Thank you. Thank you for saving me, Jim." Mm-hmm. Right. There's there's some kind of like uh, experience and dynamic between them where. Where it's not like, oh my god, I'm freaking out. It's just kind of like back to casual conversation. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. That's. I feel like there's a lot there. You, so you and your sister. Do you think she's like Ellie? Hmm. Yeah, because Ellie fights she's, back pretty good at first when the kidnapping is attempted. Yes. You know, I think she is, and the sister's always been a fighter. So I would. I would say so. I don't think she would get kidnapped in the first place, though. I think she. Like, right when she was about to get in the trunk, I think she just had run for the bushes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kick someone is, and run. Yeah, exactly. Oh, she's definitely the type to do a quick kick to the crotch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As one does. Yes, well, that's what you're yeah. supposed to do. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So uh, production-wise, you talked about you know already having the idea with this uh, plant. And other than mm-hmm. that, I mean, you really would just need like a dusty attic or basement somewhere for the interior. choreographer. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Exactly. And like yeah. a field, maybe you know, a, a cemetery to shoot some of the opening stuff in. And then a field to for the chase. And, that's, and then the house when, when Jimmy and his, his buddy Trevor are like sort of going door to door to maybe figure out who it is that's behind this. You know, a couple, mm-hmm. a couple homes, a couple living rooms, that's it. And a rich person house. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of that, you know, I've I've kind of I scouted myself like I was just driving along near New Bedford once and there was this lovely giant windmill and I looked below it. There was a graveyard and I was like, that would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I wrote it so that, like my friend's house could work, and my my parents' house would also be able to work for like the nice sort of more posh like office home mm. office spot. Mm-hmm. I would just I would just need a grimy basement. Do you guys know a grimy basement I can use? I mean, <laughs> you, you went to that college where you're watching movies somewhere in a dorm, man. You that probably know right, more grimy yeah. basements than we do. Like that, that, there are definitely rooms that that would get the job done. Yeah, it sounds like you have. It kind of sounds like you're working out pre-production in your head already for this. That would be cool. There are other. I think there's other shorts that I would rather um, start on, on. Yeah. than than this one though. But I. I am interested in potentially working this into its own little dark comedy thriller, honestly. Yeah. Well, that if, could be fun. If uh, somebody wanted to get in touch with you about any of your other stories or this one, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? The best way that they can get a hold of me is to email me. Uh, it's okay to give out emails on this yeah. show? Go for it. All right. It's uh, ndtasoni, T A S S O N I, at gmail.com. Great. Piece of cake. Yeah. Piece Nick, of cake. thank you so much for sending us your script and uh, and for coming on the show. And geez, good luck with USC. You got a bunch of stuff yes. to work with. Yes, seriously, congratulations. Another round of oh applause. Oh my goodness, thank you guys so much. I will You're I will keep you posted. It. I'll hit you with a follow back. All that good stuff. That's awesome. Um, and th- thank you for having me. Awesome, Nick. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for your work. Take care, guys. All right. Well, there's Nick. Cool. I like how I like how all the fight choreography is worked out in mm-hmm. this this and that and this and that and that and it's just kind of like. Con- can constantly 
revolving and evolving into the next piece by piece by piece of the story. Yeah, he did a really good job in the beginning when there's a, like the initial confrontation at the at the grave site when when Ash is fighting with Elliot first. Oh, what a place to kidnap somebody! I know it's great. A funeral. Yeah. But I mean, the visuals that he described in the script, I thought, were very well thought out. And he described the physical conflict enough where you were sort of able to picture it in your head and not just like Ellie and Ash struggle for a second. Right. Like it, it's, it's, yeah. it's planned out in the script. He describes it in a way yeah. that you can follow in your head. It's easy. Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny because talking to him about his sister, he was like, she's the kind of person that would kick and then run. Mm-hmm. I was wondering why Ellie had a knife on her. Mm, in the yeah. beginning. But if it's based off of somebody that's just willing to kick someone anytime she gets in a scrape, of course she would be walking around with a knife. That's really, that's that makes perfect sense. Sure, because you get bored <laughs> and she's cutting away the corners of the funeral card anyway. Yeah. Oh, man, what a cool lady. I'm kind of into Ellie as a character now. Mm-hmm. I'm wanting to see what happens next with her. Yeah. Well, there's like you said, there's a lot of options uh, on this script. Yeah. If, if you've written characters that like knives or are fighters that kick people in the crotch or any other. Always funny. Always funny. We love it all. <laughs> uh, you should put that into script form and you should send it to us. And you can do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. We love seeing your work. We'd love to hear more from you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, or, you know, if you're just going to send us a Gmail or send us some post, whatever it is that you feel like doing, there's all kinds of ways you can get in touch, and we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Uh, and on Twitter individually, not only are we Script Shop Show, but I'm at Script Shop Jack on Twitter. And I'm at your bestie, Westie, with IEs. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, one more time, let, let, a shout out to uh, Heighton Davidson and Booze's dad at Simply Scripts on Twitter, uh, our Patreon supporters. We really can't thank you enough. Thank uh, you. That, that means a lot to us. Uh, and thank you for listening out there. And until next week, friends, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.